I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're on Long Final, Ireland's aviation podcast. From Squawk 7000. I think the most important thing is to do really sound research and to take your time. What you're about to embark on if you're a young person, thinking about uh, going on that career path. It's going to cost you a lot of time, a lot of money, and a huge emotional uh, investment by you and your family. That's Captain Andy O'Shea. He's a fellow of the Royal Aeronautical Society and is widely regarded as a leader in the pilot training industry. He's an experienced airline pilot, instructor, senior examiner, and professional pilot training manager. He's been a professional pilot for 40 years, including 27 in Ryanair. As Ryanair's head of training, he managed the training of over 10,000 low-hour pilots as they transitioned successfully from initial qualification to their first airline pilot job. And he's the co-founder of the AirlinePilotClub.com. So taking your time, doing your research, and making sure that your preparation is is absolutely correct. And I think above all, uh, choosing the right ATO. If I had one piece of advice about about it, I would make sure that um, having learnt about themselves and making sure that they that the individual really understands what the career is about and they want to go ahead, well then choosing the correct ATO is without a doubt the most crucial aspect of the whole thing. We know that for a lot of people the decision to become a professional pilot is very often initiated out of a out of a love or a passion. Is that enough to carry somebody through? It helps. But more and more, uh, we've noticed, and we've discussed this in the Royal Aeronautical Society and other areas, that um, that is becoming less and less of an influencing factor in people's decision-making process. It's still there, but people are much more uh, hard-nosed now. and They're looking at the, the practical uh, benefits of the career. And um, the airline pilot career is still extremely attractive, but it's up against uh, much harder competition now in terms of um, attracting people who have a STEM background, the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics background. There are a lot of uh, interesting career paths that those people could take where previously they would have been attracted to the pilot career. They're now attracted to others. And so they're looking at the whole kind of career choice uh, in a much, as I say, a much more pragmatic way. We're seeing plenty of passion in the Ireland Pilot Club, but 
I know from other fora and other discussions, as I say, it's a tough, the, the industry itself is in competition now and the industry itself needs to improve uh, the presentation of the career to people so that they understand earlier and better what it is that it offers. And when I say earlier, I, I really think that there's huge scope for providing career guidance teachers in secondary schools deeper and better understanding of the pilot career. And one of the things we've done in the, in, the, in the pilot club is we've partnered with IASA, the Irish Aviation Students Association. And one of our targets for 2021 is to put together a comprehensive program of content and delivery, which could be put into secondary schools in the gap year. I wouldn't cover just pilots now, Michael. This would also be engineering, leasing, finance, operations, ground ops, etc. So there's a lot of work that the industry itself can do to improve its own attractiveness to this the next mm. generation of aviation professionals, the NGAP generation, which is really important. A lot of things have attracted difficult press and difficult awareness to the airline industry uh, lately but it will recover and it's still going to be a great career for people but we have to realize as the kind of guardians of the the owners of the industry now the the elders if you like that we have to figure out how to present this better to people and so that they make those choices and make the correct and clever choices at the, at the beginning of the process. I want to drill down in a minute and talk a little bit more about the Airline Pilot Club, but I'd like to go back a little bit just so that our listeners get an idea of what you bring to the table and what your own exposure has been to the formation of many young pilots. Yeah, I suppose I, I've been extremely lucky in my pilot career. I, I was lucky to get into the Air Corps in the 70s. I spent 15 years there. It was wonderful. When I left, I joined Ryanair and everybody thought I was insane because it was a small very small airline. I was pilot number 25. So I was lucky to find that kind of ecosystem at an early stage and something in it allowed me to, um, I don't know, prosper and offer something in terms of training and training management and standards. So I was in Ryanair lucky enough to work with Maris O'Connor and Ray Conway, Pat Donlan, John Roach, people like that. So there were great, there were great examples of how to do things. So when the airline expanded, I found an opportunity to provide some, I don't know, ability, some sort of uh, concept of how a training department could be run. And I was lucky enough to be allowed to do it in a way that I uh, that I chose. So even though Ryanair is renowned for its kind of um, strict kind of procedures and, and control um, in the area of training, we were very lucky to have an atmosphere that allowed us to put in place really high quality training program. And so long as we weren't stupid in terms of the cost, and so long as we were very effective in terms of producing the necessary numbers, and then crucially, they went on to be safe, effective airline pilots. It was a, a system that worked very well. So from being chief instructor on the 200 fleet, I then became head of training for about 18 years. and. One of the accountants there uh, calculated that I probably trained over 10,000 young pilots. Yeah, I couldn't believe it, but he did the sums, not me. So 10,000 pilots who would have had, you know, just the license minimum time and uh, myself and a fantastic team in the, in the training department. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What, what, was that, what was at the core of that? I mean, we heard the stories of, of the, the value of the SOP uh, in Ryanair. Would, would that have been one of the, uh, the foundations you had in place? Yes. Well, the key word in that uh, acronym um, would be standard. So it's a standard operating procedures, the SOP, obviously. But like we kind of took that to a different level in the training department. And we absolutely insisted that the training and checking processes were standardized across all instructors and examiners and in all locations. So, you know, the ethos that we had, the first slide that went up on all our training meetings was that I can't, the purpose of the training department is to provide a high standard of standardized training. And the ambition was that it didn't matter what classroom you were in or what simulator you were in or what aircraft you were in, you would hear pretty much the same message being delivered in pretty much the same way, no matter who or where the instructor or the examiner was. And I think that was the key thing to allowing us to expand uh, from a training point of view and, and keeping the standards mm. um, was having that, you know, it was kind of centrally controlled. The management team, the Brains Trust, as I called it, um, in East Midlands, led by Derek Hill and uh, some fantastic professionals over there, 
they produced the material that we then provided to instructors and examiners. And in fairness to the instructors and examiners, they understood that if they stuck to the script reasonably well and delivered the key learning objectives, everybody benefited. So it was a very good system. And I think the evidence is there. And from what I can see and hear, and I'm in touch with them, everything is uh, still banging along at a really high standard under very, very different and difficult circumstances. Mm -hmm. that, uh, it sounds like there's no room for, for the maverick in that process. The oh, no, there's definitely, yeah, no, there is, there was. And, you know, if you were at one of our training meetings, you would quickly <laughs> be entertained, if you like, by the outliers. And, you know, I personally, I always felt that I had to bring kind of CRM concepts to bear because I always had the attitude that no matter who the person was speaking, whether you generally agreed with that individual on a personal basis or, or what, that person might have something sensible and valuable to say. And therefore, you had to listen to it and, and assess what the message was. And if it was nonsense, you know, in Ryanair, you could tell him or her it was nonsense. If it was sensible, well, then, yeah, you say, right, that's a really good idea. That's, that's I, I suppose what I was leading to is the idea, you know, that we, we, we've heard of psychometric testing and people would very often, if they were applying for a job, be given a, an IQ test or a personality test. And, and I'm wondering, is there such a thing as a, as a personality that is suitable for a professional flying career? Well, there is. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much scientifically proven. And, and you could look at it from a number of perspectives, like from the psychological perspective. I've been very lucky to work with the team in uh, Aon Assessment Solutions, formerly known as CUTE. And they're great people. And um, so they look at it from, from that perspective and they look at, you know, safety mindset, growth mindset. And these are the things that are assessed in the various assessments that they devise. But then they're kind of the end user of the, the person, if you like, is the airline. And we know that thanks to the work of ICAO and IATA and IASA, we now have these pilot competencies. And the pilot competencies are quite considerably based on personality traits. They are usually ingrained in people from an early stage. So the assessments uh, and the requirements, if you like, combine to actually quite quite clearly lay out a personality profile that will be an effective and a safe airline pilot. Yeah, that's there. Uh, and and this is obviously what we we're now leads us to you uh, bring this together as a service that people can, if they're deciding to go forward for a career, can check that. Well, I hate to use the phrase, but that they are the right stuff. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we saw in Ryanair was, uh, and and in my work with with EASA, where I'm on a, a, an air, it's called the Aircrew Training Policy Group, and we saw through our work with. Ryanair, where we were able to see statistics that showed that there was a very high failure rate of people who were qualified and they failed at the airline assessment. And I remember, I think it was in 2014, I, I did a keynote in, uh, in IATS in Berlin. And my final comments in, in my keynote was I was sharing the, the platform with a guy called Trevor Woods from IASA, who was a great guy, actually. And I looked at the conference and I looked at Trevor and I said, why is it that just under 50% of qualified pilots in Europe can't pass a pretty simple airline pilot assessment? And I won't say there's a sharp intake of breath, but it kind of it kind of hit home, you know. Mm. And in fairness to Trevor, 
who was then director of safety and standards in, in EASA, he he responded and, and together with other people who were better known to EASA than me, we set up this aircrew training policy group to uh, to address it. So having seen the difficulties that people can get into and, under, and, and, and understand that there is something going on in the pilot training system that are lead, that is leading people down the wrong road or a wrong road. Now you could you could discuss that and you know um, you could you could spend a lot of time talking about that, but it's there clearly and the problem still exists. So as part of the aircrew training policy group, we wrote a paper called the Challenge of Pilot Supply in 2017, and we looked at the whole concept of putting an assessment as part of the, uh, a, a, as a natural and fundamental part of the, the pilot recruitment and training process. And we, we, we wrote a second paper for the commission and like, they, they listened to it very politely and, and then they said no very politely. And one of the, one of the phrases they said was, and I, I'll never forget this, they said, it's a free world, including the freedom to waste your own money. So we were kind of knocked back at that because we thought that putting an assessment as part of the structure would help people make the right decisions that I'm talking about at an early stage. Either Mm -hmm. they or their family would see that this is not the right thing for for Johnny or Mary. So with the Ireland Pilot Club, despite that kind of rebuttal, if you like, from, from the commission, with the Ireland Pilot Club, I worked with Aon and we've produced this thing called the Indicative Assessment. And this is, as the as it says on the box, it, it should be a good indicator to people and their families whether or not they have a, a high probability of passing uh, a full assessment suite and, and, a, and an airline interview and simulator assessment. So it's a, it's a really good tool. It's mapped to the IATA and the IASA guidance on, on, on the assessments and pilot assessments. And we're very happy with the report that it produces. We put a lot of work into the text and, and the, the actual, the flow, if you like, and, and the orientation of the, the report that is generated by the uh, individual assessment to make sure that it was pertinent to somebody who wants to be a pilot, that it was like, written by pilots for pilots. And so, you know, it's, it's got a lot of very positive response from people who've done it uh, so far. And we're very pleased that it is a very useful tool for individuals and families to help people make the right decisions. You know? I think it's interesting having a look at your website that you actually have a, a section that says for parents, because they're yeah. primarily in many cases the initial funders, if not certainly the people who will be guaranteeing the bank loans that go with it. So you have a, a form of, of suitability to decide to go for it. You may even have a little bit of passion still uh, about flying, and, and, and we've talked that already. The The other hurdle that used to catch people long before any pilot assessment was the medical. You you still recommend that people would make sure that they were, uh, that they, they got that taken care of before they proceeded into professional training. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, on, on the early pilot club website, we've got an eight-step process, and, you know, the medical is there, full and front and centre. So, you can't invest any money in in professional pilot training uh, without knowing that you have the, the medical status available to you. But what we're trying to do, and I, I don't want to get boring about this, but like we're trying to make the, the, the personality and aptitude assessment almost as important as the medical, because mm-hmm. it is like the European Cockpit Association 
have said several times that in Europe right now, well, this is right now is probably the wrong time to talk about this, but before COVID, there were no less than 7,000 dead or dormant pilots licensed. 7,000 that people who qualified but never got a job. So they clearly didn't do an indicative assessment or an assessment. They jumped into an airplane and they were in a school that said, we'll train you. They qualified and they couldn't get a job. So they were part of that 45% that we encountered in Ryanair. And like, that's, I mean, this sounds pious maybe, I don't know, but that's what I'm trying to put a stop to, you know? I'd like to try and put the tools in front of people who have decisions to make and that they have the right tools to make those decisions. There's a much more serious side to this, uh, apart from looking after individual investments in career, but like there's a safety issue here. I mean, we know that the human factor is the the laggard in terms of improvement um, in in the safety equation. Um, The human factor from memory, I think it's at least 70% of accidents can be traced back to the human factor. Mm. So, so if we're not attracting people who are best capable of being pilots, where we end up using people who can afford to become pilots, who might necessarily be the best pilot. Yeah. So there's a lot of virtuous um, outcomes from really focusing on making sure that the, the right people enter the system. Really, everything is focused on the pilot competency. And, and any pilot any pilots that's listening to this or any pilot or anybody who from now on who's going to become a pilot will have to understand what those pilot competencies are because they will be judged by them for the rest of their career either during a competency-based interview with an airline their training and checking will become cbta which is competency-based training and assessment iasta is driving that change program right now there's a rulemaking task sitting and they're making good progress on introducing CBTA as the, 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 it'll always be a choice, but they're trying to set it up that it'll be the default training and checking methodology in airlines. So whether somebody is sound or not, or has, you know, good hands, all those kind of phrases are, are becoming irrelevant because really it's all about those competencies. What was your motivation to put the airline pilot club together? So it, it was, to me, it was a natural continuation of the work that we set out in that document that I mentioned, the challenge of pilot supply that the Aircrew Training Policy Group produced and presented to the Commission and the ASA. And like if we wrote it, we the way I the way I approach it is we wrote it, so therefore we should believe in it. And if we believe in it, we should try and do it. <laughs> so so the Airline Pilot Club is basically what we put into that document, rolled out in a in a, in a digestible way and in a presentable way. And, and like fundamental to it and fundamental to that document was an attempt to try and put in place a system of logic that would allow the right people into the industry and on the basis of good assessments, excellent training in the right ATOs, we would be able to trigger funding for those people. Okay, Not so based on whether they have a holiday home, but based on their abilities. You know? So what do the funders think of it? I mean, the banks, uh, do, are, are they on side with you? Well, right now, you know, aviation is a wasteland. But mm. again, what I'm trying to do with this, and they have opened many, many doors and they've come up with some innovation in terms of 
solutions to this uh, risk funding um, conundrum that we had. So how do you lower the risk so that the funding will flow? That's what we're trying to do. So there's an obvious opportunity there for an insurance company or, uh, you know, an entity like Aon. And prior to COVID, uh, we actually had a big deal more or less set up in, in, in the States. But uh, COVID came along and knocked all that away like a, bowl, like a bowling ball into some skittles. So right now we're, we're still at it. We have some new energy, some new people have come in. There is an appetite. Once you explain the logic of what we're trying to do, some pennies begin to drop, if you'll forgive the pun. And the people who are charged with minding the bank's money, who are extremely conservative, they do see the logic of what we're trying to do. And now it's a question of getting the players around the table. And I include the ATO, the operator, um, the bank, the insurance, the assessors, all those people and all those entities to agree what their contribution to a system is that would allow the funding to flow. So it's like on our own internal webinars, I've described it as an obsession because I'm not going to let it go until somebody wheels me into a room and says, Andy, you're absolutely wasting your time here. So as long as there's any chance, and we, we still have the support of Dave Barrett in particular in, in Aon, we're going to keep at it and we're going to try and find a way to make it happen. Because it is the only way forward, by the way. You know, you can't rely on the bank of mom and pop to fund an industry. And that's what we've been doing for the last 10 more years. Like if, if, if the bank of mom and pop dried up, who would fund the pilot? So, um, but it was built on on the back of passion. For, for if we go back to that word for which we used at the beginning of the yeah. chat, uh, it, it was people who were willing to do double, triple jobs in order to get a few hours together. Yeah, but, the airlines want to have a really strong supply of qualified pilots who, through their training department, they can turn into operational pilots. So, you know, uh, we saw all of those people. By the way, you know the the people, the, the, the many jobs. People. I remember commenting that the only profession that we haven't trained in Ryanair was a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> you had a surgeon or two, and, uh, and a few people with. Uh, you had a few we had people. A surgeon. We had a. Yeah. We had a former priest. We every trade and profession you can think of, except for a lawyer. Now I could be corrected on that, but that was the joke at the time. Mm. But also, people who tended to once they got into the job and into the profession tended to stay with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the, the profession is wonderful, you know, um, and, and funny. <laughs> I thought I, you might I, say that, Andy. No, it is. It, it is. It's wonderful. And I was talking to a couple of pilots today who have been affected by COVID because we're doing, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you that we're doing a podcast as well with Margie about, mm. um, about how this is affecting the well-being of pilots. And so I was talking to a number of pilots today and and it, like it was it was wonderful talking to them because they they have just stayed positive now one of them still gets a bit of flying um, maybe once or twice a month so he's he's one of the lucky ones but he says that now when he turns up for flying the wonder of it all is still there and and is kind of really renewed in his in there's, his there's still room too. for people who love the smell of jet a1 then yeah absolutely yeah and then you know the other the other guy who hasn't wasn't as lucky he was um he was encouraged and kind of given a sense of control over what was happening by attacking the um, the manuals so he got mm. stuck into the the aircraft systems and he he used the time to really improve his knowledge there so yeah no it's a wonderful career 
there are so many aspects to it. You can you can stay as a, a line pilot, you can become an instructor, you can become an examiner, you can become a senior examiner, you can contribute in specialized areas such as safety, um, you can become a management pilot, even though you know they still they don't go to the pub as often as the other pilots. Yeah, I mean, there's such fantastic variety. And I mean, here I am at 62 and I'm doing a startup, you know, it's, it's I've heard it said of you that, that, that you're not you're not work shy either, that you, you like to keep busy. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it, it makes me happy, you know, mm. strange enough. And I mean, it's been an absolute blessing over the last nine months. I think yeah. I would have gone crazy. Just very quickly, not too much detail, but outline the steps that 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 you've put on the site, because there may be somebody listening to us on, on this particular podcast who says, do you know, I want to do this. Um, I want to do it right or, or I have somebody in my life who, who uh, wants to do this and I'd like them to do it right. Uh, is, is it straight out question? Is this the right time to think about a flying career? Well, this is a, this is a fraught question. Okay? Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of passion. There's that word again, an emotion and mm. um, vented right and understandably so on, on, on uh, social media there about uh, when CAE and Boeing came out with their positive outlook for pilot um, for pilot employment opportunities over the next 10 years, there was a kind of howl of outrage, which you can fully understand from people who, like the guy I was talking to today, yeah. um, is out of work, you know. So the steps are, are we've come up with a one to eight step process, which is, you know, it involves how you would integrate and use the, the airline pilot club through your decision-making process in the early stage of uh, of being uh, an airline pilot. So, you know, like you, you register with us, then we strongly recommend you do this indicative assessment. That is, the, that is the real key thing to understanding your own capabilities and whether or not this is the right career for you. Then whether you, you know, get a good result out of the indicative assessment or not, we would advise you to join the club because in the club, we will develop you through exposure to subject matter experts, direct training, direct education, direct teaching. I won't call it training. It's, it's, not, it's not a training organization. We hope it's a kind of teaching development organization. And then like um, one of the key things that I've touched on already is that we've already identified some fantastic ATOs. And these are ATOs that I know are of very high quality. So training organizations, yeah. Training organizations, sorry, mm. Michael. Yeah. So, we would be pushing our members and people who've done the indicative assessment to, to the right standard towards these ATOs because we know that they're going to get the right kind of training and we know that they have good assessment systems, you know. So, again, if you go back to what I talked about with the ATPG and this, you know, risk uh, funding model, I'm all just trying to put these, these elements in place. So, so we then suggest that they go to these vetted and selected ATOs, then they can get access to, you know, we've got insurance policies that will help mom and pop sleep at night, really powerful ones that Aon and Millstream have put together for us. Then the medical, you know, you can do the medical at any stage. But at that point, then we need the airlines to step in and offer the jobs and uh, not offer the jobs to airline pilot club people, but just make the jobs available. And then hopefully, through the process that we'll have put the, the members through, they'll be in a very, very strong position to be successful at the airline uh, interview and sim assessment. So that's, that, that's the kind of vision, you know. Is there a, an age limit on somebody 
deciding to, to, to think about an airline career? That's a question that comes up a lot. The answer is no. Okay, so we've trained, I can think of two in particular who were well into their 40s over the years and they, they became successful airline pilots. But, and this is not an ageist thing, this is just a, a, it's a practical thing, really, isn't it? it yeah, it's, I finite. Mean, look, it's a finite career. Yeah, there's that side of it. Mm. But statistically, those who do join the career path that I've observed over the age of 30, they struggle more than the voracious 21 year olds who are mm. like sponges and just a college or a school. Whereas like mm. for many reasons, people who are 30 and, and more, it's harder because, I mean, you know how, how tough the ATPLs are and how intense they are, right? Mm. So if you do that with a pram in the hall and maybe a couple of kids who have the flu or measles or whatever, mm. and you're trying to fit, you know, a, a mature life into the intensity of, of doing that airline career, airline pilot career pathway, it's tough and sometimes it tells. So statistically, it's harder for people, but, but there's, no, there's no cutoff point um, other than, as you say, a practical assessment of how long, how long has it worked my while getting into this uh, mm-hmm. career and um, am, I, am I going to be able to devote the time and the, the capacity to actually take on the challenge of, of studying and, and passing the exams, you know. Andy, thank you so much for joining us uh, on, the, on, the, on the podcast. Um, if people want to find out more information, the website will be in the programme notes as well, airlinepilotsclub.com. Thank you very much indeed. 